Hi, hello, and welcome to Oh Boy, the podcast presented by Man Repeller. I'm your host, Jay Bume, and today's guest is Ruby Carp. Ruby is a 16-year-old comedian and writer who has a book coming out soon entitled Earth Hates Me, A Teen's Guide to Surviving Life, which you can pre-order on Amazon right now. Also, if you are in New York City, I recommend checking out her monthly show at UCB East, and the next one is Monday, March 13th. It's a great time, and there are always amazing guests. All right, let's get into it. Um, yeah, so I read a couple of the um, chapters from your book that you're working on. Which chapters? Chapter four and five. Uh, oh, awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, it was really funny because when you were talking about um, sleepaway camp, like going, it, it like, it totally brought me back to like what that, what that felt like just being kind of like, um, like I, I did, I got to go to like a, like it wasn't like a theater camp, but there was like a big theater program there. Yeah. So I was very familiar with like those feelings. Sleepaway camp is an adventure in itself. <laughs> yeah. It is uh, like I mean, particularly, like, what happened this summer was just, like, like, I hated camp, basically. Yeah. Because, like, I feel like camp for me was so fun when I was 11 uh-huh. because I, like, wasn't exposed to, like, the the cruelties of the world yet and camp was still, like, magical and amazing. And, like, I went this summer as, like, like a counselor in training and it was, the, it was awful. Why? <laughs> um, what changed for you? Well... Uh, I don't know, camp just stopped being fun, and, like, I got my heart broken, and it was just, like, it was just, like, six weeks of torture. Yeah, that was pretty stone cold when you came back into the room and you saw him making out with that other girl. Oh, my God. That's rough <laughs> stuff. I know. I, I mean, the the Finding Dory incident <laughs> was what, what did it for me. Do you, you don't talk to that guy anymore? No, actually, we're best friends really? now. Yeah, but I'm not going to include that in the book. <laughs> That's cool. Um, so yeah, so where did you grow up? I grew up in New York City. Like yeah, Upper West Side, Manhattan. Uh, amazingness. Like did you, did you love it? Uh yeah, I mean uh, I mean you still are growing up. Yeah, so I mean Yeah, I mean the Upper West Side I've lived on the Upper West Side basically my entire life that I can remember. Yeah. Like I've like basically from like four on I've lived on the Upper West Side. And I go to, I went to middle school, high school, and elementary school on the Upper Side. Like, I basically don't leave my neighborhood. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's how it is, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I don't leave, like, a 10-block radius of where I am. Yeah. It Why feels would weird. You? Yeah, yeah. I have everything. Exactly. This neighborhood is a carnival for adults. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. It's so cool. I think a lot of people, you know, idealize the concept of, of growing up in New York. Like, do you, do you know, would you agree that it's a pretty magical upbringing or? Uh, well, I talk about this a lot, like in life and in my book. Yeah. Uh, growing up in the city is unlike anywhere else in the world. Even like, even if you grow up in like LA, it's such a different experience living in New York City specifically because like a party isn't like a house party in Long Island. It's an apartment that's free, that like has no parents and like all your neighbors hate you yeah. for throwing the party because like it's not like it, you're just like messing up your house. You're like messing up an entire apartment building because like it'll just like smell like alcohol. Like yeah, it's yeah. just like grow like growing up when you're younger like, in elementary school, it's, like, traumatic for parents because they're, like, oh, my God, like, is my kid going to get kidnapped today? And, like, you don't really care because, like, you're just growing up and you're used to it. 
but like as you get into high school and like you get older the city becomes just like an entirely different place like also like if you grow up in the city you can never live in not a city unless like you were you're born in like you were born in the wrong time and place like there's nothing like the city right like you'll always come back do you take advantage of everything that yes yeah oh completely i mean the thing is if you grow up in the city you're growing up to a fast-paced life and like everything you're doing is like you're constantly like moving and like you're used to like fast walking and like taking the train everywhere whereas like when i go to my friends upstate houses when they like like my friends from camp who live in like connecticut or something like our, their parents drive us everywhere and like there's like a little town with like shops and that's kind of it yeah whereas for me i'm like oh my god like i have the entire city and i'm still bored on a saturday night <laughs> it's um you know like would you consider that style ideal like because i think like you know a lot of people you know you the place you grow up in like you can't wait to get out of it yeah so it's so interesting to me to hear the reverse of that you know Well, that's the hardest thing for me, especially like looking at colleges, is it's like I can't not live in a city, but at the same time, I don't want to stay in the place I grew up. Mm -hmm. Like, I know I'm going to live here, but then again, like you need to leave the city, especially because New York is so small. Like you, like you, you know, New York, like the back of your hand. Like I know Manhattan so well. Yeah. And I, and like, that's only because I've lived here for like, 10 years that I can actually remember and like actually navigate and that's the thing like if you leave like I I want to go to colleges that are like campuses because I'm so used to living in apartment buildings but like I need to be near a city because like I can't not be around like life right like a rural like a rural suburb suburban like area like that does not work for me because I'm just so used to like noises and apartment buildings like that's why sleepaway camps like rough for me because it's like so confusing like why is all this nature here yeah how old are you i'm 16 yeah so like my little sister is your age she was staying with me this weekend and she lives out in like rural new jersey and she was like i can't believe how loud it was like she couldn't even like sleep in the bedroom i felt so bad without loud noises yeah like, that does not work for me. Yeah. I have to, like, be around, like, cars and, like, sirens. Like, because, like, the city is such, like, an addictive environment. Yeah. And that, like, you hate it, but you love it. Right. Like, it's freezing cold outside. Uh, and, like, you, but, like, and you have to, st- you still have to take the train. But, like, the walk to the train is still beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was just shooting in Alaska, like, last week. And it was colder. It's colder here. Yeah. Than it was in Alaska. Yes. Like, it's like a bone-chilling, like, <laughs> freeze-your-brain-off kind of cold. Exactly. You know? Yeah. But we deal with it. Yeah. You know? Because it's worth it. Like, and that's the thing. There's, It's not something you can describe about the city. It's literally just, like, New York just has something about it that's, like, you can't... You'll never get away from New York. Right. Like, New York, no matter where you live, no matter how long you've lived here, like, New York will always be your home once you've lived here once. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, it's like, I just... I need to live in a place where I can get, like, a delicious sandwich at any at, time of the yes, day. Yes, exactly. You know? At three in the morning, if you uh-huh. want cookies, you can get them. Go ahead, yeah. Um, what kind of stuff were you doing growing up? Were you, like, running wild in the streets? Were you getting in trouble? Like... I don't want to. I don't want to incriminate you. No. Um. <laughs> like, what do you mean? 
Well, so like, you know, I hung out with, you know, because I used to hang out a lot in the city growing up. And I remember like we used to hang out on like St. Mark's with like all the other like punk kids and stuff. And like, I remember like there was this girl, she was like crust punk and like her dad was like the head of the NBA. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, so there's like this really, there's this really weird kind of, um, uh, like extremes in that scenario. But like, you know, we would come in and go to shows and stuff and like meet kids who were living here and people just seem to have like free reign mm-hmm. of of the place well you the know? number one thing about living in new york is that like you are raised to be such an independent person yeah like living in the city you are raised to know how to live on your own yeah and like your freedom is so much more than any other kid even if your curfew is like nine o'clock because you are walking around like the city by yourself Like, at least by the time you're out of middle school, you've been on your own in the city at least once. Well, with that freedom comes great responsibility, right? Exactly. Well, and it also makes you, like, a well-rounded person. Like, you can handle yourself. You can go out and, like, do things, like, on your own. And, you know, you, like, you learn to navigate the city and how to navigate where you want to go and what you want to do. I'm a junior, and... My mom said to me going into high school, freshman and sophomore year, you're going to have a curfew that you have to stick to and you can't be late. But junior and senior year, I'm not going to give you a curfew because you're about to have to live on your own. So you need to figure out when's the appropriate time for you to come home. Mm. So you go from being raised like slowly walking to school by yourself, slowly taking the train on your own, slowly like this and that. And then suddenly you're like 16 or 17 and your parents like finally let you like go out. Right. (laughs) Well, I mean, well, what's that moment like where you're like, you're, you're you're like, I'm set free. Like, do you know, like, um, you know, like in the Amish culture, do you know, like the concept of rumspringa? No. So in Amish culture, I think, I believe it's when you're 16 or 18, they let you leave the community and you can take as much time as you want in the real world and you can either decide to stay out there or you can come back to the Amish way of life. <laughs> and uh, there's a really great documentary about it. You should check it out. It's called The Devil's Playground. Mm-hmm. It's worth watching because, like, a lot of these kids, just, like, when they get that freedom, they just, like, go wild. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm ta- I come from a house where I live with just my mom mm-hmm. who trusts me a lot and knows that I'm responsible for other friends for other friends of mine their parents still track their phones like they do have a curfew they do have stuff that they have to stick to this is just my personal experience but growing up in the city you you develop a language like for for kids like for for cool kids my age um like there's literally like a language it's like a party is called a free smoking weed is called siphing uh something that's like fun is lit like it's literally like a language yeah uh, if you go on if you go on like buzzfeed there'll be articles that'll be like 50 signs that you grew up in new york city and li- any city kid can read that kind of article and identify with at least half of it yeah well, that, that's the funny that you, you, you bring that up because, like, I was thinking about, like, talking to you today and I was like, I don't want to be, like, the guy who, you know, like, uh, like the like the, the older guy who tries talking to the yeah. teens. Like, what's cool? Like, yeah. you know, sitting on the chair backwards. Like, yeah. hey, tell me what's up. You what, know? Puts on backwards house, puts on Beastie Boys shirt. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. Um, so growing up, is just, where you grew up as an only child? Yeah. What was that like for you? 
I love being an only child. Yeah. Because I live with just my mom. Mm-hmm. So it's literally just like I've I, I'm very independent. Like I very much like to be alone. And at the same time, like my mom has basically like she's my best friend. Yeah. It's it's less of like like yes, she's my mom, but it's more like at this point, especially because, like, I'm actually, like, a human now and I form real thoughts, like, it's more just, like, sisters as opposed to, like, nah, like, I'm reprimanding you for getting a bad grade on your homework assignment. Like, it's come to the point where it's, like, she knows I'm hard enough on myself about grades that, like, she doesn't have to reprimand me about that. Or Like, like, you're already beating yourself up enough. Exactly. Like, I'm, especially because, like, I'm leaving in, like, what, a year and a half to go away for four years. Like, it's at the point where it's, like, what, what am I going to do that's so bad right right um the cool thing about because i grew up as an only child mm-hmm. i found out i had a sister when i was 18 that's a whole nother thing but like we don't have to get into that <laughs> oh my god um but uh the thing i love about growing up as an only child is you just have so much time with yourself to just get weird mm-hmm. and there's nobody around you to like make fun of you for like to make being you feel weird. bad about it yeah it's so a you blessing can and a curse it, you know? it is a blessing and a curse because you grow up and like you're going through very weird stages mm-hmm. so like no one's there to tell you that you're being weird. But at the same time, like, you are allowed to go through those weird stages and that's what makes you into who you are. Right. Because no one's teasing you about it. Like, I, I've i gone a long time having people be like, wow, your personality makes no sense. And I've been like, oh my God, thank you. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, like, it, it develops you into... A person on your own and like I don't know what it's like to grow up with a sibling so like I don't know if being like having a sibling shapes you into like an amazing person but I know being an only child makes you like really know how to like stand on your own and be your own person yeah no, that's true do you do you often find yourself like ascribing like sibling style relationships to your friends yeah and especially my only child friends yeah like uh my best friend is my neighbor uh, and he's an only child. So we basically just go to each other's houses all the time, and he's basically my brother because we both don't have siblings, so we're both bored most <laughs> of the time and just like, hey, hang out with me. Do you, uh, do you remember the first thing that you were really interested in? Uh, I wanted to pursue being a rock star. Okay. Uh, Where did that come from? Hannah Montana. Okay. Or like iCarly, one of those shows. And like, it's, it literally, it wasn't just like a, I'm a child and I'm, I want to be a rock star. I like legitimately for a solid like six years was like, this is, this is what's, this is my future. Were you writing songs? Were you making music? Uh, no. Were you just like coming up with band names and like... Uh, yeah, I was, uh, listening. I, I, I did musical theater. Okay. Um, which was close enough to rock for me. Uh, and I was getting fake guitars that I didn't know how to play. I got guitar lessons. I got piano lessons. I was writing terrible songs that, like, weren't real, that were, like, I didn't realize at the time that, but they were, like, real songs that I was, like, oh, this tune sounds very familiar. I'm so original, but really it was, like, Lean on Me um, <laughs> with just different lyrics. Um, Do you, did you record these? Have you oh, like, I have recordings. Do you listen to them still? Uh, it, no, no, I try and burn all of them, all of them. Yeah. Well, that's one funny thing, too, I think, with, like, kids growing up now, and I'm sure this issue's been, like, talked to death about, but, you know, I think about all the embarrassing shit that I did growing up, and, like, you know, like, thank goodness, like, I didn't have a camera or, like, the I internet have in a way 20, where, like... I have 20,000 photo booth photos from my youth. Yeah. Legitimately, <laughs> I have a computer, and on that photo booth, 
every single day I used to make music videos. I used to make vlogs. I used to do skits. Yeah. All by myself, in which I would play every character. But did you put that stuff on the internet? Like, is it, I did. It's out there. Like, oh forever? no, it's private now. Oh, okay. Um, I used to make YouTube videos. Yeah. And this is not like my claim to fame at all. Yeah. I had 300 subscribers. I w- my account was iHeartPugs360. Yeah. Um, and I would, it was like the summer of like 2010, 2009. I would make music videos every day during one summer and i would you were out on the streets shooting stuff or this was just like in my room in your room and i would make like stop motion videos and i would edit them all together and like put a soundtrack over it and i'd be like uh like this is me like teenage dream by Katy perry and i'd be like like in one location then it'd be in the next location the next shot like i literally would like make little movies and i would post them on youtube and i made little youtube friends like there were other kids my age doing the exact same thing that same summer and i literally made a community of like youtube friends and i like facetime i not facetime at the time it was like i uvu'd them like every day for like three years until i was like wait this is embarrassing and is definitely gonna catch up to me in a bad way soon i should private all of this oh but, well like but that, that's kind of cool too right so, like because you with that ability to connect with those people it's just another way to you know, make you feel like what you're doing just, you know, it's like to encourage what you're doing to yeah. like keep pushing you, right? Like if there's other people doing it, you know? Oh, I thought I was so cool for yeah. doing it, especially because like the kids who were doing it were like a little older than me. So I was like, wow, I am doing something like cool. Yeah. And I don't know. It was like pretty encouraging. Now I realize it's like, oh, this is something I could show at my comedy show and people would laugh not with me, but at me. Yeah. Um, no, but you need all that stuff. You know, exactly. the, the funniest thing I ever saw Michael Showalter do on stage was he read this essay that he wrote for his like high school literary magazine where he was trying to be this like, just like really aggressive, rough, like raw, honest writer, but like totally just like, you know, like missing the mm-hmm. bar like yeah. by leaps and bounds. And it's the, it was the funniest thing. Yeah, a you know? set I have is I read my diary from elementary school. I think, did I, the show I was at, I think maybe you were, did I'd, you do some of that? Very possibly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sometimes, I have like, I because I've been keeping a journal literally since like the second grade. So you've always been writing. I've always been writing. It's just something that you just like naturally just like I just took did. A, yeah. I, and it wasn't like my mom being like, here's a journal, you have to write in it. It was literally just me being like, uh, today I found some toothpaste. It got <laughs> stuck in my hair. Oh no. Or like... Today, mom and I fought. She got a new bag. Yeah. Question mark. <laughs> like, and then like a bad drawing of her and none of it spelled right. Like, I've always been keeping journals, which is like, I'm, I'm still do it to this day. Cause like, no. I know in what, like 10 years, I'm going to be like, who are these people that I'm talking about? Oh my God. Wow. I thought this was so important at the time. Yeah, no, that's amazing. I'm envious of your perspective. Um... <laughs> You know, so your so your so your mom was supportive of everything. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, and just really encouraging. My mom has always been like my number one supporter. Yeah, which is like I'm so uh, right now I'm writing the chapter about family. Yeah, and it's so hard because I like I'm writing stories about my mom and I, and I'm like, and I have to keep saying this is my story, and I know it's not easily relatable because a lot of people don't come from supportive homes, but like my mom is like my number one fan, my number one supporter. And I have, like, I, I, the number one thing I, like, say in the very beginning of my book is 
I can't write what I don't know. Yeah. And I, I like, I, and that's the number one thing I'm struggling with right now is writing what I don't know, but what needs to be addressed. Like what happens if you come from a not supportive home? Yeah. I mean, even just the concept of writing a book, it just seems like such a hard mountain to climb. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, cause I'm very self-critical and I'm also, I, I care, like, I don't want to care a lot what people say, but I do. Yeah. Like, I always read the YouTube comments. Oh, I always read, you you I can't. always read everything. You can't. I know, and I know I can't, but I do, because, you know, why not? Um, it's, and It's people just working out their own issues, know, like, in your I know. space. I know, I it, know. It's, it's such a problem that is definitely going to need to stop. But uh, every time I'm writing it, I'm like, oh, I can see this, are people already having a problem with this right yeah. here. Like, because the thing is, I read it for, when I was, before I even got the book deal, when I was putting together the proposal, I read my pressure chapter to my drama class at school. And uh, there's a section of the, cha- of the pressure chapter that's all about uh, the pressure to have sex and the pressure yes. to, yeah, yeah. like, uh, date. And all, I write all of it talking about guys uh because i'm a straight girl yeah Yeah, yeah. Uh, i'm a straight white female like that's just what i am writing about uh because that's i can i'm only talking from my experience and a girl raised her hand and was like uh i love it but you should write if you like a guy or a girl or something like that and i was like i totally agree but at the same time like there's i i don't know how to give advice on like if you like a girl because yeah. I've never been in that situation and I don't want to write something that's not true. And it's a matter of writing to your truth, but at the same time knowing when you have to not write to your truth. And I like reworked it and I was like, wait, I'm wrong. I need to write to everyone. Right. Well, where do you think that like, you know, that honesty with yourself comes from? And especially at such a young age, because I feel like, a lot of people, when we're younger, we try to tell ourselves, like we try to convince ourselves that we're at a certain place because you so want to be there, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, one hundred. I mean, that, that's what being a teenager is. Right. It's telling yourself like, uh, I'm depressed, and like being depressed, or it's telling yourself, okay, um, I I guess I'm happy today, uh, and then like forcing yourself to be happy. Um, but it's the honesty is hard because. You have to, especially when you're writing a book that's actually going to be read by people outside your immediate family, Mm -hmm. is it's like, you have to know that what you're writing is going to be read by people. Like, people are going to be reading. And, like, I'm a very personal person. Like, everything I say, I think about, and I mean. And especially in my writing, I write everything I'm writing for a reason. And... I write from personal experience. Right. Like, I've always been that way. I've always written short stories based on, like, something that's happened to me or something I wish would happen to me or, like, even if I'm not doing it consciously, like, I always just, I, everything I write comes from me. And I can't not write something honestly, uh, which is my number one struggle because it's finding the balance between, is this too personal? Do I want people knowing this? Is it okay that I'm talking about this person who I actually know in real life, who this actually happened with? Like, do, like, you have to find the balance between honesty and, like, too much, mm-hmm. yeah. which is, like, one of the hardest balances to find. Yeah, I, I could, Im- I could imagine. Um, you know, was there somebody that you saw growing up besides, like, Hannah Montana <laughs> where you're just, like, 
the, the, what this person is doing, like that's what I want to do. Amy Poehler in a, a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, I didn't know I wanted to pursue comedy specifically until maybe like a year ago. Really? Uh, I've always known I wanted to do something like involved with arts. I, I in eighth grade I auditioned to be to go to an art school, which is where I go now. I'm yeah. a drama major. Um, I've always I've always known that I'm going to do something involving create like creativity but and I've grown up around UCB my literally my entire life yeah um so I've always been surrounded by comedy so for a lot of middle school I was like okay I'm going to pursue acting because I didn't realize that you could pursue comedy and then for a while I was like I'm gonna do acting and writing I guess uh and then I got into high school and I I'm a drama major and I realized I was like oh my god I can't do acting this is like not a life I want to lead I I'm too self-critical it would it would destroy me like uh, we we did uh, after like a year at um, the school I go to I started going on auditions and I went on like three auditions and and they weren't like big auditions it was just like I got an email from an agent that was like, hey, do you want to audition for this show or and this show and this show? And I was like, uh, yeah, sure. And it was one of the hardest things I've ever done because, like, I just walked in and I was like, I'm not good enough. And I just, I literally, I applaud any person who's trying to pursue acting because it is perseverance. Like, yeah. it, you have to be so committed and not, like, Writing and comedy is not the exact same thing, but I was just like, this, this isn't for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, and also, I mean, like from being on the other side of that casting table, like it's not fun for the people on the other side because like, you know, all of this stuff, like, you know, you're aware of what these experiences mm-hmm. like do to people. I just you like, know? like the mental gymnastics people have to go through. I didn't realize what it was like. And then, you know, I did do uh, like a few film things and I didn't, it wasn't what I thought it was mm. it, it was like you do the same four lines over and over again for an hour uh from different angles and you have to stay in it and like that's hard and i i don't know i i realized that this was not what i was supposed mm. to be doing well that's not the only way to tell a story i mean there's other ways oh you know. yeah no of course yeah exactly um well what happened was then i realized uh, and then, like, you know, my comedy show got more serious because I've been doing my comedy show since I was 11, but I only started, like, really, like, trying to be funny, uh, like, two years ago uh-huh. because before then it was, like, it didn't really process to me that, like, it was, like, a comedy show. It was, like, oh, yeah, my show in which I, like, tell stories about my life. Ha-ha. Like, and, it, and obviously like, I would tell funny stories, but I wouldn't be, like, oh, I have to write a set. Or it wasn't, like, a structure for me. Right. Well, just to go back to two things you said, you know, Amy Poehler, what was it about Amy Poehler that yeah. that you, you know, that you really just admired and, you know, it made sense to you? What, what was it about her? So uh, I realized watching SNL mm-hmm. that what made me, like, want to be Amy Poehler was um, I realized that SNL was one of the many things that got her to be where she is now. Uh, and she's a creator. Her and Tina Fey, mm-hmm. they're creators. What they do is when there's nothing going on for them, 
they write themselves something or they like get themselves somewhere and make it happen for them. And I realized I was like, that is what I want to do. I don't want to go on auditions and wait for parts to be handed to me. I want to write parts. I want to like, I want to direct parts. I want to create, uh, which is essentially what they do. I mean, Amy created Amy and three other people, obviously created UCB which is now a community that people have been celebrating for like what almost 20 years I think yeah. uh, and it's literally home to so many people and like she started that and like Tina writes parts all the time like I mean look at 30 Rock uh, yeah. they and like people like Lena Dunham like when there's nothing happening for them they take it upon themselves to write something amazing. That's how the best stuff comes, right? Because it comes from you. It's like exactly. it's not you fitting into somebody else's role. It's, it's you, you fitting like, into your writing your own yeah. lane. You know. Yeah, and I was like, that is what I want to do. That's cool. Um, and then, so I also wanted to go back and talk about. So you started a comedy show when you were eleven. Like, how did that idea? Like, where did you get the idea to do something like that? I didn't. <laughs> uh, so funny story about my life. Um, I've been a part of UCB since I was born because my mom was just friends with everyone at UCB. So growing up, I would always just be around the theater. Like, my mom would be like, all right, Ruby, it's a Sunday. We're going to ASCAT. Um, So, like, as I started, like, being able to walk, they would, like, pull me on stage as a joke and be like, ha-ha, like, look at this three-year-old. Oh, my God. And then when I was, like, five, they were like, ha-ha, like, look at this five-year-old on the stage of UCB while we all tell, like, inappropriate jokes. And she just sits there and doesn't know what's going on. So when I was seven, Amy started this web show called Smart Girls at the Party. Uh, And she was like, hey, Ruby, would you want to do it? Uh, You can talk about anything you want. And I was like, of course. So naturally, as a seven-year-old does, I was like, I'm going to talk about feminism. Um, Because, you know, as a a casual seven-year-old, just that's what I wanted to talk about. Yeah, what was your exposure and knowledge of that? My mom. Yeah. Yeah, my mom is a huge feminist. She co-founded Bust Magazine. She, like, loves feminism. So I grew up in a very, like, feminist household. So I was like, okay, of course this is what I'm talking about. So then when I was eight... Amy was like, okay, so I'm going to let you do monologues for the first time at ASCAT. So um, from 8 to 10, like uh, like twice a year, I would do monologues at yeah. ASCAT, uh, which was like my first exposure to comedy. Did you like it? I loved it. I mean, because I, especially if you're an only child, you yeah. love attention. You love attention, oh, yeah. especially because like I, oh, I always knew I wanted to do something in the arts. So I was like, oh, my God, like a bunch of people listening to what I have to say. This never happens. Um, and the room and that energy is just like, electric, oh, yeah. You know, so then when I was 11, Sorry, the energy in that room. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, exactly. Uh, when like <laughs> people would like laugh when I would talk and I'd be like, oh, my God, this is so cool. Like people actually like want to hear what I have to say and they think I'm funny. That's awesome. Yeah. Um. So that was just like an immediate, just like So it was immediate, like, I like this. Yeah. Uh, Because, and this is something I talk about a lot. Um, It's so weird how some, like, at least me specifically, like, I feel more comfortable on stage in front of a bunch of strangers than I do performing for people I know well. Yeah. I think that makes Um, sense. Because you can kind of disconnect a little. Exactly. Uh, And, like, it was the one place where I didn't care what people had to say. 
uh i was just like all right this is like this is me trying to be funny if you don't think i'm funny then like that's okay why was it because was it because you just felt so comfortable there i just like i i just felt comfortable also i had been on the ucb stage literally since i could walk so it was like it was like i didn't realize that ucb was like a place i was just like oh yeah this is the place that like me and my mom go to all the time so like oh this room full of strangers i do this all the time it's fine um so then when i was uh 11 molly molly mcaleer i'm always pronounced her last name wrong so that's definitely incorrect uh emailed me and was like hey um i'm starting a website with zoe deschanel and sophia rossi called hello giggles do you want to write for it i saw your uh smart at the party video and i loved it and i think you would be great for our teen like our just to be a teen writer and i was like of course so i started writing for hello giggles and then hello giggles uh started being an association with ucb uh oh really yes oh cool uh and they were like they started a hello giggle show at ucb in la okay and then so i did the first show they ever did in la when i was in la and then they were like hey ruby uh we want to do hello giggles night in new york can you be the host of it so when i was 11 i started Hello, I started the show. Was like, were you nervous about that? Was there any like no. pressure? You were just like, just pure excitement. I I don't know. I I think it's because I've grown up there. It's it's not. I've never felt nervous about going on stage it's at just all. So, it's like it's just so natural. It's not like a thing where it's like, well, if I blow this, like my career's oh, over. No. You know. I mean, well, but that's how a lot of people approach those things. Well, because you know? that's what comedy is. It's failing and then learning from your mistakes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like if you do a set that bombs, you're like, all right, what was wrong with this set? And then you go back. I mean, if if you're if you're a person who loves comedy, who loves to watch it, you've seen a comedian f- bomb. Oh yeah. And then you've also seen you've definitely seen that same comedian like succeed like and if you're a comedian you've bombed and you've succeeded like that's what comedy is it's a trial and error and that's the thing I just like I found immediate comfort in that uh because it was like the one place where I like didn't feel judged but at the same time I still felt motivated to like keep getting better it's like really awesome that you're able to find that you know, so young too, you know, like a yeah. lot of people spend their entire lives like searching for that, yeah. you know? I think, I mean, sometimes I'll watch Legally Blonde and I'll be like, I should be a lawyer. Um, <laughs> but, you know, most of the time it's like, I, because I don't know, your mood changes with uh, each day, but com- like, I don't know, comedy has always, has always been a huge part of my life. And the thing is, I was like real, I was like crying the other day and all my friends were trying to make me feel better. And like, none of them were helping me and then one of my That's friends usually the case. yeah all my friends were just like it gets better ruby like just like just feel better like honestly like it's not it's not worth your time to think about and i'll just i was just like oh my god none of you are helping and then one of my friends instead of like being like ruby it gets better was like just started making me laugh just started like being like teasing me and like m- making me laugh and i immediately felt better right. because like comedy is like all comedians use humor to hide their pain and that's what makes them strong and funny people. Mm-hmm. And I just like, I felt immediate comfort in that. Yeah. No, that's amazing. You mentioned that like you just started taking it seriously recently. Mm-hmm. What was that? What was that turning point for you? Why? Did, what was the change? And like, how did you do things differently? I stopped being cute. <laughs> uh, and, and like You that, started that, getting real. <laughs> no, like, like actually, like life started actually happening. Like, 
and like not not that like because I was 11 people would laugh but like people I could get away and also I didn't realize what I was doing like I obviously it wasn't like I didn't have a mind like I told stories I still did sets but I didn't realize that it was something I had to take seriously and not that I didn't take it seriously just like I didn't realize that people were watching me. Mm. Like, I was just like, oh, yeah, like, my show. I love doing my show. Um, but I realized that, uh, like, when I'd say, like, my freshman year of high school, that I was no longer funny because I was an 11-year-old on stage. I realized I had to be funny because people were actually coming to see, to people yeah. coming to laugh. Yeah, so what did you do? Uh, honestly, nothing changed. Yeah. Because I've always done sets. I've always done slideshows. I've always had a story to tell. But um, I started caring more, I'd say. And not that I didn't care before, but I started, like, really thinking about my sets and really wanting to succeed and realizing that, like, this is what I want to pursue. So, like, practice makes perfect. Like, really, like, you take advantage of the shows because, like, I might not always, like, I might not always have this. Mm. Have there been frustrating moments when you've been trying to make it work? Yes. And, and, and what, what, what have they been? And oh, my God. How have you pushed through? Well, one show in particular. I've never bombed a show like I bombed this show. <laughs> um, like, I, every show people always laugh. Sometimes it's a, a harder crowd than others. But there was one show where I completely bombed. Uh, it was, I think I was like 13... Um, and I, I didn't know how to deal with anxiety because I think I, I, and I say this in the book, when you turn 12, you access your anger as a teenager, as like a girl, Mm -hmm. like you, your thoughts become real and like your feelings get intense because like before then it's like, man, you stole my sweater, man. But then like when you're 13, you're like, like you start having emotions and like you're changing and like all this stuff and all like the typical stereotype uh, teenage girl stuff but I invited a boy I liked to see the show oh boy uh and this was like seventh grade maybe and just like a boy that you like not like, like a guy you were like dating no or, yeah. I, I was 13 it was like just like a boy I had a huge crush on yeah just come check out my show yeah, just like you come know, just totally casual. Yeah, yeah exactly um but in your mind you're like yo like this is yeah. the show oh I was so and like I prepped so much for the show I was so excited I like dressed up nice like I worked really hard um not that I wasn't working hard before but I just it was it was like a high stakes show yeah and it was also a show that John Mulaney was going to be at. Okay. Um, which, like, and I, people people who are, like, fa- I don't know, I guess, like, famous, I guess, are ne- that never really, like, affects me because I'm, like, okay, awesome, a human being who's yeah. talented. That's awesome who's seeing my show. But, um, this, like, my, like, I was, like, oh, my God, this is, like, an actual person who, because, you know, like I said, normally I'm playing to strangers. Then I'm told that, like, someone cool and, like, someone who, like, I admire is seeing my show. Oh, my God. So, like, two minutes before I go on stage, the boy I like texts me, hey, sorry, can't come. And I was like, oh, whatever, it's fine. I don't really care. In the middle of the show, I'm in the middle of, like, introducing someone to come on stage and I pronounced his name wrong. His name was Sean, but it was spelled like scene, like okay. a normal Sean, 
But, you know, because I was 13, that didn't register. So I was like, please welcome Scene. And uh, Sean from offstage was like, Ruby up, it's Sean. And I started laughing on stage. And literally, this is like the definition of like an emotional breakdown. I just started laughing and I was like, oh my God, guys, I messed up. It was Sean. And I started bawling on stage. Oh, no. Because <laughs> like, you're like dealing with all of like these crazy like hormones. Oh my and, god, like, no! Like just like of growing up, right? You know, like you're just like mm-hmm. you have all these feelings. You don't know how to articulate mm-hmm. them, and that and you was have to do that on stage. Exactly, and that was the first time I ever had an emotional breakdown. One of many to come. Um, Did it feel though cathartic in the end? Oh my god! Because it's like if you get if you go through that, like what else is there? Exactly. You know what I mean? But like. And the thing is, like, I just, like, I don't know what happened. Like, to this day, like, I still don't really know what happened. I just was laughing, and then I was crying. Yeah. And I was, like, oh, I, I literally, I couldn't finish my sentence. I just walked off stage, and Sean came on and was and just started doing his set. It was literally, like, the scariest and, like, hardest thing that had ever happened to me. Because, you know, especially if you're a performer in general, you are used to putting up a front. That's just like, hi, like, I'm this, like, happy and, like, cool person that I'm just, like, here to perform. <laughs> yeah, I'm here to make you laugh. But, like, then it's like, oh, wait, I have emotions. And sometimes it's hard to find the balance between performer you and real you. And sometimes you get caught up in the performer you that, like, when something small happens, you just, like, snap, like, something breaks. Right, right. And that was the first time that ever happened to me. And then I was like, oh, my God, like, John Mulaney's in the audience. I love his comedy. Like, like what is wrong with me in the end it's fine i'm i'm 16 now and i'm fine i've done many yeah yeah, you just keep you just get up and keep going but that was where does that ethic come from do you think that work ethic oh well i'm i'm a i'm like a very much a control freak like i always need to be working i always need to be like doing something uh i i've kind of always been like that i've always been very like I need to do this to do this to do this like I need to get into this high school so I can get into this college so I can get into this career and like blah 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 like I have always been driven which it's not like a my mom's a tiger mom and forces me to be amazing it's literally all just like me in my head being like well you're not good enough so you need to be better and then like constantly just like trying to do more and I don't know uh because I, you know, I've done a lot of writing and I've done like a TED talk and stuff like that. Like I hold myself to a standard that's yeah. like high. That's like I need to top this standard. Oh, no, it's great. Like it's like that. That hunger is the thing that like keeps you growing. Yeah, you know? and it also like slowly destroys you as a human being. Oh, but yeah, like whatever, too. it's yeah, totally yeah. fine. You yeah, know, yeah. I'm sure, whatever. <laughs> One for the other. Thing, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, I mean like it's. I like being a driven person. Uh, it's unfortunate when. Uh, like I'm trying to get into college and you know like my grades freshman year are holding me back like it's like there are so many factors that go into like being a driven person Uh, one of the number one things I talk about in the last chapter of the book is Jason Robert Brown came to visit my sleepaway camp and normally like I hate he's a Broadway person Mm -hmm. he wrote like 13 in the last five years and parade like he wrote a bunch of musicals Uh, and normally these people are like snobs so I like don't really like to listen to them uh, and he sat there and he said, I'll tell you something about being 16. If you are a driven person, having drive is hard. 
And I was like, I have never identified with something so much. Yeah. Being a driven person and being 16 is one of the hardest things you can do because no one takes you seriously. Right. But you take yourself so seriously and your like emotions so seriously and your work so seriously that it's like you just want to do so much, but there's only so much you can do at 16. Yeah, you're, you're almost confined in a lot of ways yeah. too, you know? Well, you're also held to a standard because it's like, uh, and I talk about this a lot, it's when you're 16 you have four more years of being impressive and then you actually need to like care Mm -hmm. like and that's kind of what happened to me when I was 13 I stopped being impressive because there were now other people my age doing comedy because like people were starting to form thoughts so I was like I need to actually like care right uh and not that I haven't cared before and not that like what I'm doing now isn't cool but when you're young everyone's like oh they're young and they're doing something that's so cool that never happens uh but instead it's like now it's just like you're held to such a higher standard yeah you can't rest on that alone just like exactly the, like the like that aspect of it um you know i you know i've had a camera in my hand since as long as i can remember i was always like making movies shooting movies and like i was like i'm gonna go to nyu film school like that's where you go and uh, i didn't get in and but I so I went to a different film school and I look at like where I am now like and I wouldn't have changed a damn thing mm-hmm. you know so the thing is I you know uh, the one thing I just say to maybe keep in mind is just like whatever's going to happen it's going to be the right path yeah well I yeah and I, I like I um, agree I believe everything happens for a reason yeah. and all that stuff um but like my my top college choice is Yale yeah uh and my best friend just applied to Harvard uh, and she has an 102 average. She's president of four clubs. She's stage manager of like a million shows at her school. She got a 36 on her ACT. She literally has every qualification that like you could ever need to get into any good school. And she didn't get into Harvard. Yeah. And I was thinking about it and I was like, what do you have to do to be good enough? Like get perfect grades, get a perfect score, do a bunch of extracurriculars, right. yet you're still like mind you you're 17 when are you like enough and that's why like my generation is in such like a bad position because we all are just constantly not enough because so many things are being invented and so many people are doing such cool things that like we are never enough for anyone what do you mean by that that's i think that that's really interesting well okay if we're set up because from the second we enter elementary school, the number one question they ask you is, what do you want to be when you grow up? Right. And it's like, you're literally five years old. So then when you're in high school, they say to you, every grade you get in high school counts because that's what gets you into college and college is what gets you into a good career if you go to an Ivy League school. Uh, at least that's what my school set you up to right. believe. Yeah, no. um, so, and then you apply to these schools and you need perfect grades, a perfect standardized test score, but that's not enough anymore. It used to be like, oh, you get good grades and you get a good test score. All right, you can go to you can go to a pretty good school. But then it's like that's not enough anymore. You need to like have like done like you need to have like won a national merit award and you need to have done this and that and your dad needs to be the president and like you need to have all these qualifications and you need to have like a recommendation from the pope like you need to be so much now right because so many people are doing cool things but it's like at the end of the day like we're 17 
Like, we, where is the time to be a kid? Yes. Where is the time to, like, not be, like, constantly doing stuff? I mean, my friends always say to me, like, oh, Ruby, you, you do a lot. The thing is, I don't do as much as, like, it seems like I do. Like, I do a lot. But I still hang out with my friends on weekends. Yeah, that's the most important I, thing. Because the number, yeah. in my opinion, the most important thing is like being a teenager, and no it's one fun. exactly. And also, like you're only going to be in high school once, and that's the thing. All these colleges expect us to like be like so driven and so on top of ourselves when it's really like mind like we are still teenagers and yes like teenagers are capable of of a lot and we can do a lot but also like we need to be kids first yeah no it's true um you know and uh, another question you know kind of related to that is like i feel like with all these different you know the technology and all these different ways of like putting yourself into the world like do, do you or, like, do your friends, like, do kids feel this, like, pressure to constantly be seeking out attention? Yes, absolutely. And, like, what is that doing? Uh, well, social media is such a big factor now of yeah. being a teenager, which sucks. Because social media is definitely the cause of everyone's anxiety. <laughs> I mean, not not to, like, make a huge assumption, but yeah. I deleted instagram and snapchat for like three days and it was the best thing i had ever done because for three days i wasn't stressed out for three days i wasn't constantly checking my phone but then i re-downloaded it because it was it was like an addiction it's literally an addiction and the thing is social media has become the number one cause of fomo which is fear of missing out because now you're constantly like if you like some if you have a crush on someone they're all over you can get their attention by posting like a pretty photo or you can stalk them and see what they're doing all weekend or like your friends like you know if they actually hung out without you or you know if they were lying about going to a party or something like that because you can see what they're doing and it's me it's like, especially for me, I got a Snapchat freshman year of high school and it, it like really messed with me because I would go on Snapchat and see that it was a Friday night and everyone was like at a party or doing something cool. And I was at home like watching a movie and I felt awful about myself. Yeah, but like staying home watching a movie is like the most fun. It's so fun. You know? No, and, and the thing is, but the thing is what social media is doing is it's making us think like it's not fun. Right. Uh, and you know, this might not be the effect for everyone, but for me, it was like, I'm not good. And again, it was like, I'm not good enough for what everyone else is doing. Like me sitting at home watching a movie. Yeah. I'm having a good time, but like, are people doing something more fun? Like are, is, is something cooler happening? Am I left out of it? Or am I going to get back to school and is like everyone to be talking about something that I wasn't invited to? It's literally like, it makes no sense like when you explain it but living in it it's like the hardest thing i wrote an article when i was 14 about snapchat and how much it affected me and how like how much fomo was real and every comment wasn't like was like a 40 year old person being like just delete the app why do you care why do you care about going to these parties blah 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 blah, blah. and it's yeah. like there's literally no explaining it it's just like 
you just care. Yeah. There's no, and the thing is, you explain it to other people and you sound so dumb because it's like, why do you care? But it's just like, you just do. human nature, yeah, yeah. Like, because you're, like, we're expected, we expect high school to be this experience that's like going to parties and like getting a high school boyfriend and like, and like having, like carrying your books to class that like look really big, oh my God. Uh, and then you get to high school, and that is kind of happening. So you feel like you should be a part of it. And then you're not because, whatever, you enjoy watching Netflix on a Friday night instead of going to a party. But you realize that other people aren't doing that. And you th- feel like you're not enough. Right. Do you think that there's like a, there would be like a movement of kids that would just like outright just like reject social media and just banish it from their lives? literally every single person i know has at least one form of social media yeah at least one yeah just because like everyone has it and you're missing out on something if you don't have it can't escape it it's so it's so weird but like people talk about instagram in school like people talk about this stuff like in natural conversation like my friend today was like oh ruby i saw what you posted i really liked that color lipstick on you like People talk about social media to each other. Yeah. Well, one thing that um, that I thought was, like, really interesting is um, I'm, I'm curious of, like, you know, when you were talking about, like, Netflix, right? Like, what and – and a lot of your writing, you're referencing a lot of, like, media and, like, culture mm-hmm. and stuff like that. What, you know, what's it like to grow up having – you know, being a teenager and, like, having so much access – like all these different things like how does that shape who you are it's such a blessing and a curse yeah because it's a curse because it can almost be too much access like you are so exposed to everything that's happening that it can fuel your anxiety Mm. and like it can fuel like a lot of hate and it can start fights i mean cyberbullying so real but at the same time like that access is so great because you now have access to anything you want. Mm-hmm. If you want to be a writer and you don't want to wait till you're out of high school, you can be a writer. Right. You just start your own blog or you email a bunch of different websites until you get one response or something. Like there's always access for you. If you want to be an actor, there are so many websites that have auditions that you can just go on. Or if you want to pursue any job, there's so many websites that have like a bunch of job listings. Uh, and it's great because like, you can actually take initiative. But at the same time, it's like I said, now because of that we're expected to take initiative and we're not like allowed to just be kids anymore because we have so much access yeah but like in terms of like stuff where like you could listen to any record you wanted to right now you could like watch pretty much almost any movie you wanted Mm -hmm. to like when things like you know is there still like a preciousness to those kinds of things or is it like easy come easy go kind of stuff it's definitely everything is now definitely taken for granted but it's not like it's like oh, I don't care about going to the movies anymore. Right. Like, I still go to movies. Yeah. And I still see shows live and stuff. But now there's so much more access. Yeah. Like, I don't have to go to the movies. I can just, like, wait for it to come out online. Well, you know, with, the, with you know, from the stuff that, that I was reading from the book, why is it so important to, to look to movies and TV shows to kind of help you with give answers on, on how to deal with situations? Because... Our worlds revolve around ourselves. 
all teenagers, any teenager, like, and any teenager will deny it, but every teenager is self-involved. No matter how selfless or how nice a person may be, every teenager is only thinking about themselves. Yeah. Because... I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. No, and it's not a bad thing. Our world and our thoughts just revolve around us. And so when when our friends ask us for advice, we can't help but tell them what we think they want to hear, which probably isn't what they want to hear because most of us just talk from our own experience. 99% of the time I'm asking my friends for advice, they'll be like, well, when this happened to me with this person, and it's like, actually, no, that's not what I want to hear because I don't care about what happened with you and that person. I care about what's happening to me right now. But they're just trying to help. Oh, no, you know, of like, course. I mean, e- even earlier when I was trying to tell that story about, like, you know, like I had this idea of what I wanted and then it didn't turn out. And, like, you know, I was just trying to just relate. Oh, no. No, 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 no of course. And that's how humans work. Yeah. But then you get to watch TV shows, and TV shows have the fantasy outcome of whatever advice you want. Right. Like, let's say you're asking your friend for advice on how to ask a guy out, and then your friend says the hard, cold truth to you of, like, Uh, he doesn't like you you don't want to hear that you want to watch a rom-com and see the guy ask the girl out and have it all work out and be super happy and have you be like oh my god that's what's gonna happen to me i'm so excited right i mean for me personally movies and tv shows are the best escape yeah because it's just like you don't like you don't have to care about what's happening in the real world because you're so invested in like these fictional characters that are most likely attractive and have way more interesting lives than you do. Yeah. Well, you know, what's the thing you think people most understand what's the thing that you think most people misunderstand about kids your age? I think they think that we're not as smart as we are. Yeah. And I know people say that our generation is smart, but I think people don't realize how aware we are of what's happening in the world. Like, if I'll have a conversation with an adult, they'll be like, oh, you don't, like, you don't have life experience yet. Like, you don't even know, like, you don't even know the half of the world you're going to, like, see and all this stuff. Like, all of the typical, don't worry, it gets better kind of stuff. And it's like, yeah, I do know that I'm going to have a lot more life experience than what I'm having right now, but I still have thoughts. I still have emotions. I still have stuff going on, and I'm not stupid just because i haven't gone to college yet i know what's happening in the news yeah i know i know who trump is i know who like i know i know what my emotions are it's just like i'm young and people don't realize that like we're capable of so much but at the same time like we all need to be because adults expect so much of my generation but then what we do isn't enough for them, if that makes mm, sense. Yeah. Like, they expect us all to be, like, the motivated, driven generation because, like, we're inventing stuff and, like, we're starting everything so young and all this stuff. But then they still are, like, this generation's so screwed because all they do is sit on their phones. So it's, like, there's no there's no winning. Yeah. <laughs> at all. Um, and it's, like... You just, people don't realize that, like, we are human beings. (laughs) Like, we are just younger human beings. I know, it's true. You know, what's what's your favorite thing that being a comedian has allowed you to do? Um, I don't know. Um, 
honestly, as cheesy as it may sound, make a person's day. Yeah. That's not cheesy. Um, and, and, That's and, why people go to those shows, you I, know? I mean, like, when I see, when I go to a comedy show, I'm going because I want to laugh. Yeah. Uh, and I know, and I I think and this applies to a lot of comedians. I think comedians get a genuine pleasure out of making other people happy. Yeah. And, like, if I'm having a bad day, knowing that I made someone else's day makes my day. Yeah, because it's powerful. Like, I, you know, speaking of John Mulaney, I saw Oh Hello, like, for my birthday. Mm-hmm. I'm still high off of it. Yeah. I'm still high off that show. Yeah. You know, like, that just, like, totally mm-hmm. rerouted my my life. Yeah. You know? Because because you see people doing, like, such funny things. And, oh. I mean, my comedy personally, and I know uh, there's so many comedians who do this, I... I try and just find the humor in, like, subtle things that we have in life. Mm -hmm. Like, just, like, awkward situations that you may not know, like, what's funny about it. I'll, like, turn them into something funny. Like, my entire set that I do now is going through my mom's OkCupid profile. Yes, I saw you do that. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, thank you. Um, And Very generous of your mom. (laughs) I know. My mom allows me (laughs) to do way too many things that I definitely shouldn't be doing. Um, There's a lot of creeps on OkCupid. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, yes, stuff like OkCupid is funny, but, like, uh, I try and find the subtleties in the weirdness and dig deeper. And, you know, if people find... Like, okay, I had a comedy show, like, three days after Trump was elected. And everyone was so sad. And there was such a clear, uh, bad energy in the room. So instead of going up there and talking about Trump, I went up there and talked about my mom's OkCupid profile. And everyone laughed because no one wanted to hear about Trump. Everyone wanted to escape from Trump. People wanted to hear about some random girl's mom's OkCupid because it wasn't reality. It wasn't what was happening to them, but it was still happening in real life. Yeah, they can relate to it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what are are things that, like, excite you and inspire you? Oh, uh, good rom-coms. Yeah. (laughs) Quite literally, um... I talk about this a lot in my book. Um, teenage, like my world, even though like it seems like I'm, I actually like do things with my life. My world revolves around my friends, my grades, and whatever boy I like. Right. That like le- that's literally like all I think about, uh, and not like actually. I you know I obviously have other thoughts, um, <laughs> but you know I'm still a teenage girl. Yeah. And seeing like a cheesy rom-com that makes me happy because that that's that takes me away from the seriousness and like honestly any good art in general seeing a good show or a good set or a good movie just takes me out of the reality of like what's actually happening and it shows me like i can do this other people are doing this i can too right and it, I don't know, it, it inspires you to actually want to do stuff with your life. Yeah. How, how do you see things changing um, in the comedy world? And, you know, how do you want to be involved in that change? Well, in the comedy world right now, a lot is happening for women. Yeah. Which is awesome. Uh, women in comedy are finally getting a place. Uh, 
I, and it's like every female comedian says, don't ask me what it's like to be a, a female in comedy. Ask me what it's like to be a comedian. Yeah, completely. And that is finally becoming true. Well, not actually, because we still have a way to go. But I see women in comedy finally getting the respect they deserve. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I hope to continue that. I also hope to keep seeing female-driven shows. I mean, there's girls on HBO uh 30 even if it ended 30 rock yeah. parks and rec like there's all these hilarious shows that are all girl driven and not even you know not even necessarily about being a girl oh no no no, no. but they're like they're with they're written by yep. and starring powerful female roles yeah. it's not girls playing victims it's girls playing broad city yes. it's girls owning themselves owning their sexualities and just like going for it and like being hilarious and like finally getting respect and like those of course are like the most exciting shows to come out over like the past like 10 years oh 100 percent. i mean especially because of like what's happening in the world yeah like in general it's just it's so good for women in general to be exposed to that to see that like there are women being powerful and owning themselves and owning what they're saying and being hilarious like just as funny as any male yeah what uh what are the day-to-day like fears and stresses you deal with (laughs) living (laughs) um (laughs) no uh getting into Yale (laughs) um (laughs) because like honestly my number one like anxiety that's the thing it's like I said my world revolves around three things and the extra and literally like yeah i need to i need to get my chapter in by next week yeah but uh do you have a super rigid writing process uh, like do you just like sit down and the magic just comes out no (laughs) i i have a very bad procrastination problem yeah everybody does uh like very bad uh and it's like i said even though i'm doing stuff with my life like my thoughts still revolve around the same three things. My anxiety and stress every single day is driven by, am I going to hang out with my friends today or am I going to go home? Is Does he like me or what is, why did he do that? <laughs> oh my God, I'm not going to get into Yale. Yeah. Like my thoughts still revolve around the same things. Yeah, no, it makes sense. But so like, you know, in line with that, you know, where do you want it to end up? Like, where do you want to take it? <laughs> a question I ask myself every day. <laughs> um, I mean, I know what I want to pursue, mm-hmm. which is lucky. It is, but okay, but this is the thing. It's like people people think they're always like, oh, you always knew what you want to do. That's so great. But it's like, just because you know what you want to do doesn't Does make, not it, make it easy. Oh, no, my because God. then you see all the steps yeah. that you have oh, to take to make I, it happen. At an early age. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, my God. Well, I was saying this to my mom. I was like, Mom, I don't want to peak at 16. Yeah. Like, I don't want to just, like, publish a book and then have that be it for my life. A like child bookstore. Yeah, like, literally, <laughs> like, am I, am I going to be okay? I mean, the thing is, like, it's lucky because when looking at, like, colleges, I know what I want to major in. So I just know what I know what colleges are good for that. But at the same time, like, I'm mapping out my career. <laughs> I mean, I've always been a very, like, uh, I am I believe in the horoscope sign. I'm a Virgo. We're workaholics. Yeah. Um, and I've always just cared a lot about what I'm going to be doing because I enjoy working. Um, 
and my next steps for me are going to be to get this book published yeah. <laughs> um do you I, have like a date of like yeah it comes coming? out in september oh wow uh, i don't know the specific day but it's september 2017 um is the release date Amazing. right before I, I apply to yale <laughs> <laughs> um conveniently uh and then i'm gonna i plan on graduating high school yeah. uh and then in college i uh, i want to start just like <laughs> here's the thing uh i don't it really depends on where i go to college because if I go to college near New York, I'm going to work immediately. I am going to start uh, applying to comedy writing jobs. And yeah. I'm going to try to keep doing stand-up. Uh, if I go to college in a city like Boston, uh, th- I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how things are going to change. Well, they have like a good stand-up Yeah, scenario. exactly. Yeah. Uh, my plan is basically to, in college, set up my career so that when I get out of college... I have an immediate job. Is the unknown exciting to you or is it terrifying? Terrifying. Okay. <laughs> no, because <laughs> I, I am very much the type of person where it's like, I need to know the time, the place, when, where, what's happening, what are we doing, like, yeah. how long. Like, <laughs> I am, like, very, like, I need to know everything that's happening at all the times. Yeah. So, like, not knowing so just like real what's going to happen like is, like, person. just terror. Oh, yeah. I'm, <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so calm, <laughs> so if you chill. couldn't tell. Um, <laughs> but the But, like, at the same time, it's, like, my plan is basically in college to fail to set up all of my failing stones then so that the second I get out of college, I won't be failing. Well, that's the best thing about college. It's a, it's a great place to make mistakes. Yeah, it's exactly. It's a great place to learn from other people's mistakes, too. <laughs> exactly. Just, truly. So that's kind of what my plan is. Yeah, that's great. Um, I think that's a great place to end it. Ruby Carp, ah. thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. That was awesome.